Hey, everybody. Welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Rigadonna, and not with me today is Richie Byrne. Richie is actually uh, in line to get a COVID test, um, so he will not be joining us. I'm in beautiful Florida at my hotel and on tour with the No Apologies Comedy Tour. I am going to bring out... uh, Who's always with us? The amazing Tom Bannis. Tom. Hey, it's so nice How to see you checking in from down there in Florida. It looks so gorgeous compared to my New York snow right now. You know what's funny? Everybody's like, "Oh, I'm so jealous you're in Florida," but uh, COVID's rampant, so I'm not going out. <laughs> There's always that, <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, it's uh, hoodie weather. It's not. You know, shorts and t-shirt weather. It's, it's, uh, I have a, it's yeah, it's there. a little cold, so uh, it's not as glorious as everybody thinks. But I am excited because I'm with uh, a couple really great comics, and we'll probably be going live with them: Tom Cotter, Mitch Fatel, and Aaron Berg. Who, I, I mean, it it makes my job so easy. I, I've been joking around with them that I'm the Michael Anthony of the group. Nobody <laughs> notices me at the end of the show. They're too busy talking about David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. So um, I'm just but you, the you're live guy. tonight, right? You you have a uh, you have a you have a virtual comedy show tonight that everybody could tune into. Yes. Right? So you go to watchnowlive.com and you can buy tickets. They're shooting this like a Netflix special. There's like four or five cameras set up. They're going to be going through, and um, we're at the Mahaffey Theater in St. Petersburg, which is, uh, it's insane how beautiful it is, and they uh, I, they put us in a hotel across the street, so no matter how drunk I get, I can make it home, and uh, there's also a soccer stadium. They have a soccer team called the Rowdies. I want to buy one of their jerseys. That's a great name. That is but, a great um, name. <laughs> so what I want to do is bring out our very special guest because we're talking about streaming the live show. Well, this guy's opening a virtual comedy club, so That's he is the perfect person to uh, talk to. And um, I'm going to bring him out. He's a very good friend of mine. Everybody, Jim Mandrinos is here. Hey guys, Jim, hey, are you down in the uh, studio? I am uh, in the lovely studio in the bunker. In Colonia, New Jersey. Uh, You can't get any more glamorous and more show business than that. (laughs) I love that (laughs) studio, man. You got a great, you got a great thing going. You got, you're like a guy who's constantly evolving with uh, whatever's happening in the industry. Um, You know, you're a writer, you're a comedian, um, you do some acting, you Mm -hmm. also direct, and then uh, you know the the studios are. you know, not letting people in anymore. And yeah. so you said, fuck it. I'll just open my own studio. You guys opened a studio in New Jersey. You're bringing in great talent. You're filming stuff. You're doing podcasts. You're doing uh, str- now, uh, you know, the world shut down and you said, all right, virtual comedy club time. <laughs> well, I mean, New York, which is, you know, it's our bread and butter. You know, you yeah. and I, I, you're a little more on the road than I am. I stick to the city a little more than you do. Yeah. But I mean, you know, in 2019, you know, 41 of my 52 weekends were New York City weekends. You know, yeah. I, I didn't have to go somewhere else. And yeah. COVID hit since, and since March, nothing. You know, two yeah. clubs have already closed down in New York. 
um, the yeah. creek in the cave, which which is sad for you know uh, for for performers that were a little more artistic, a little more cutting age edge, and you know Dangerfields, yeah. which was home to traditional comics like me, you yeah. know, and so it, it's all aspects of our industry are feeling it, and since March we've we've had to have done over a hundred to two hundred virtual shows between wow. March and now, you know. You um, wow. turned your you turned your physical festival into a virtual festival. Yep, and we ran is... that twice. You know, and we did it two different ways. The first time we did it back in May, we just said to everybody, "Send us your best clip from a show, and we're going to showcase that." And we we did it that way as a virtual festival. Um, this time we did them as uh, as uh, shows that we zoomed. And by the way, those Zoom shows are still available. If you go to uh, New York Underground Comedy Festival dot com um, or NYC Underground Comedy dot com, um, and you go to that website, you can click on um, and go to our Zerb site. And event number seven has all the live shows that we did. So it's over twenty hours of content for ten dollars that you could go watch. And we had over two hundred and fifty comics. Um, Mark came in and headlined a couple of shows for us, and you know, a lot of fun comics yeah. from everywhere. Yep, so nycundergroundcomedy.com. Yep, and uh, we literally had comics from all over the world. Uh, and you know, I mean, when I talk it all over the world, comics performed from Japan, comics performed from Australia, comics performed from Dubai, comics performed from Israel, comics were, uh, performed from South Africa, London. Um, New York, LA, South America. I mean, it, it literally was all over the world. I mean, it was so I mean, fun. It was yeah. fun watching comics from different regions coming on and yeah. you see different styles. You see, um, I noticed a lot of, uh, a lot of more like one-linery type comics yeah. from the middle of the country and a lot more storytelling vibe from the coasts. Yep. And then, uh, it was really cool. I was on one show and there was somebody from South America and they were fantastic and just a different take on what is comedy. It, it, it's, uh, it's really yeah. interesting. I love that you keep changing it up and uh, you're not afraid to take risks, which. No. And here's the whole thing. When we began it, we thought we would do five nights, five events and feature 50 yeah. comics. Um, we had well over 300 apply. And uh, John G, who you know, uh, my yeah. friend here, um, uh, John G said, and you know, it, he came and he said, "Hey, let's make it open to as many of them as we can take." And there's always some comics, unfortunately, you can't take. Like, I, I, I love you, but you are too new. You are just yeah. too new to be in a festival. So we had to say no to some people, um, but yeah. we, we said yes to over 240 people. We were yeah. able to say yes to. And wow. uh, I got from people, oh, you shouldn't have let so many in. Well, why not? We want to create a series. We want to create a feeling of camaraderie. We want to create a sense of brotherhood. We want to give opportunity to comics. Uh, the Fine Folks of America's Got Talent um, asked and requested certain shows that we send the tapes in on, which was yeah. awesome. Uh, so that's, you know, three different shows. That's 30 different comics that are getting opportunities that they wouldn't have had. Um, yeah. And, then, you know, for me, the biggest part of it was, I don't know what you're missing most during the pandemic, Mark, but for me, it's the camaraderie. 
Exactly. Last night in the green room, we were all talking about it, how insane it is to be sitting in a green room talking to other comics. Absolutely. And, um, I, yeah. I was joking around with them, though. I wanted to rename this uh, tour the I'm going to risk getting COVID because I'm too afraid to lose my house comedy yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah, I um, did that. And, and no apologies. The, the, our government people should be apologizing because uh, they're not giving any relief. No. And it's, uh, it's just ridiculous that I have to you know, risk getting sick. Is there, try is to there make a live a audience on the No Apologies tour? Yeah, um, they they do. Um, it's very cut down. So like we were at the Improv last night, sold it out. Of course, they could only seat like sixty people um, instead of <laughs> three hundred. So it's you know tonight yeah. we're at a twenty five hundred seat theater, and I think they're only letting one hundred and fifty people in. So wow, out of twenty five hundred seats, yeah, they're gonna you know kind of get the front. So we feel like there's people there, but it's more for the streaming aspect. It's rotating caps is what a lot of theaters are doing, which even though their capacity is a thousand, so you would think two fifty, they're rotating it, and so they they could see six feet between parties. So yeah. it winds up being close to around sixteen percent when you do the math <laughs> wow. based on the shape of the most theaters. Where yeah. it, there's a couple of theaters in Westchester that have a. Uh, approached us to do live shows and even a movie theater up in uh, Teaneck that wanted us to do some live shows um, before the second spike hit. And as yeah. you do it and you sit down there and you, you, you're literally sitting with graph paper, you know, and a compass going, okay, what's the radius? <laughs> Where can I put people? What do I have to block off? It's yeah, ridiculous. And well, one of the things too is, is doing live shows. I only want to really work for super professional people because you always hear people say, we're taking all the COVID uh, mm -hmm. stuff seriously. And you're like, wait a minute, this is a club or, you know, a, a room that the owner used to skimp on everything when yeah. there wasn't COVID. You really think he's measuring yeah. there was no if there was no hand soap in the in the dispenser in the bathroom pre-covid you're probably not really getting a true covid precautionary no yeah i was i mean i was super lucky our uh dan and jerry uh abrahamson uh right when the virus hit uh put me in a theater that was upstate and they significantly had to cut down the numbers but they were very strict on how they did it. And there was sanitizer in every row. They had uh, sectioned off. So there was empty rows in between, like three empty rows till a party could sit. Yeah. And then it was like a checkerboard. <laughs> and it was a huge theater, but they only ended up having like 100 people, even though it could fit probably, you know, 1,200. And uh, you, you felt safe. You weren't allowed, other than when you were on stage, you had to have a mask on if you, you know, did anything. And they threw people out who took their masks off during the show. And it's like, well, of course, because really? when you laugh, you're projecting <laughs> laughter at the stage. It's like just COVID I, being flung at you. I did a country <laughs> club in New Jersey two weeks ago. Um, and the, the conversation was, we will have full COVID precautions. Do not worry about anything. And I yeah. get up there, I park my car, and it's 250 Jersey people running rampant. No, no mask. No mask, no. no nothing. The audience was not masked. 
And, and I, I said to the owner, one of us is masked. It, they're masked or I'm masked. You get a better show if they're masked. And he's there like, <laughs> I'm not going to ask my audience to put a mask on. I went up there for a show, did it with a mask on. <laughs> it, it, like, I got a mask. I got my gloves. I'm protected. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, sorry, you guys are feeling that way. I made as much of a joke about it as I could, you know. And and then the second show, he's there like, are you really going to wear that mask again on the second show? I'm there yes. like, make the announcement that they have to wear their masks or I wear mine. It's that simple. Yeah. And yeah. so he did, and they wore their masks the second show, and I didn't. This is a fine second show, and and you know. And they've asked me if I wanted to go back, and I'm there like, no. Yeah, no, I, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, you're damn lucky I didn't leave when I was there. It 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 is uh, it, it just blows my mind that people don't take it serious. That yeah. um, and I mean, even a couple of the guys on the tour, I won't say which one, but was saying that <laughs> you know it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. And it's like, okay, so note to self, I will be wearing a mask every time I'm around you because if you yeah. don't take it serious, you're going to put my life in risk. I'm going to miss Christmas with my kids because you don't take it serious? No, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, this is the car state everywhere, right? I'm sure, like, amongst comedians, you're on tour with three other guys, so you got to be pretty close proximity most of the time with everybody. You We're, know, you so know we like got to choose who you uh who you're with is, is t it's tough, but you got to be as right. You can only be as vigilant as you can for the most part. Yeah. Even being in hotels, I feel like has to be tough for you traveling around right now. Yeah. yeah I mean, hotels, right? you get nervous because you know, it's like, like you were talking about, we're going to take all the COVID precautions. Well, does that mean you mop the floor? Like that doesn't help me. I, you know, you got to disinfect, you have to, you know, it's yeah. gotta be, it's gotta be taken serious. And if, if they're not, then, you know, that's how it keeps spreading. My studio closed down March, uh, March 13th, like all places in Jersey closed down. Um, we got the, you could start to reopen at, at around June 2nd. They started whispering that we could around June 17th. They started issuing edicts like, all right, you're a studio. You need to deep clean before you can open. Um, and there were deep cleaning services that were available which were sixty to eighty thousand dollars for a deep cleaning wow. service, and then I sat down and I went, "Okay, can you send me an itemized list of what you're going to do for that sixty to eighty thousand? And they sent me a list, and basically it was clean every surface with uh, alcohol that's seventy five percent or higher, and and that was it. That was the entirety of the deep clean. So it was. All right, every owner come in here, get a COVID test. We're all COVID free. Great. We're all getting together on a Tuesday and we're deep cleaning the studio. <laughs> every service gets that. You yeah. know, what when they say full COVID precautions, you know, they're meaning masks, gloves, temperature checks, and and deep cleans. And we yeah. gotta do those deep cleans. You have to do a deep clean once a month if you're a business owner in New Jersey. And you're supposed to spot clean every time a space gets used. Ah, see, that learning new stuff. I mean, right now I'm super risking it. I'm in the lobby because the Wi-Fi in my room's horrible. But I'm in a far corner about 100 yards away from the front desk. 
and I came over here and wiped everything down and set up on a little table. And, you know, there's a much more beautiful spots that I could be in uh, with a cool background. But I was like, "Ah, that place looks like people have sat there. That place looks like people have sat there. (laughs) I'm I'm standing. I'm standing with my phone on a bar, uh, like a high table. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing my best to only touch the places I know I wiped down. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Jim, with the virtual shows, what are you? Uh, is it more Zoom shows, or is it more like I'm? I'm super curious about it because I do a lot of live entertainment stuff as well. Like I did a virtual poker event last night, so we incorporated a Zoom with a poker platform, and it ran super smooth. There's a dealer at every table helping people walk them all through it, but people are newer to it even at this stage of the game. So I'm so interested in like what you're doing on the uh, virtual side. Well, so when we when we figured out that New York wasn't going to open anytime soon. Um, my partner, and, and I got to give John G credit for this. He said, let's open up a comedy club. Let's have a full-time seven night a week comedy club online where people can actually do stuff and people can actually, you know, Over. congregate. And again, it's how do you build an audience? How do you, you know, provide the accoutrement? How do you have the comedy club experience over, over zoom? Um, and for us, there were a couple of things that were, you know, key watermarks um in the shows that we've done up to this point we had to learn the technology enough to how do you spot a zoom bomber how do you get them out of the room quick enough how do you you know how do you turn down the noisy microphones how do you encourage the audience to to keep their mics on so the comic can hear the laughter you had to figure all of that out and once we figured all of that out we were there like okay let's let's give it a start let's put it out there and we we announced that we were going to do it, and basically, you know, uh, seven o'clock show on Sundays, eight o'clock show every other night. We're going to open up and do it. We added open mics for newer comics. Um, we're adding some classes for newer comics as well. Um, and then once we made the announcement, Broadway Comedy Club uh, called us up and went, "Hey, this is a really good idea, and we want to also keep our brand out. Plus, we have a mailing list, so we can actually mail in and increase the That's amount of great. audience." that you guys can get to start, which is is incredibly Killer. important because we could start with three people at a Zoom show or we could start with 30. I think we'd all rather start with 30 people at a Zoom show. Yeah. Um, and then they were there like, do you think comics are willing to work for door deals, percentages? Um, and so I started contacting the guys I know, like Mark, you know, do you want spots? Can it be a door deal? And what it is is it's a matter for us as the organizer – to put more work into it. Number one, to build an audience as quick as we can, you know, yeah. you know, which is a big part of it. And so there'll be tons of ticket giveaways and all the other things that you need to build a virtual audience. But two, and I think this is uh, the more important one, understanding that if Mark gets a gig that pays his rent, that's a guaranteed $200, he needs to take it. And yeah. we got to be able to be. The know, fact that when we talk that you're flexible like that, yeah. I mean, you're an artist as well, so yeah. you understand the pain of going like, I really do want to do this, but I also need to take this gig because I need, you know. Yeah. And that, that means the world to have a, an art space by an artist so yeah. that they understand what else is going on. Yeah. Um, and and it, it was a big thing for us to for me to go, okay, there needs to be to attract an audience. I need the best talent possible. 
I need Mark Riccadonna on a show. I need Carol Montgomery on a show. I need Lee, Leon Lord on a show. Uh, I reached out to Rick Overton, who right now has got some uh, stuff he's going through physically, but when he's uh, recouped in 100%, he's jumping on shows. Franklin and Jai is going to jump on a show from uh from That's fantastic. at some point. John, John Paul Romero actually chimed in a little. He said he, said he did your your festival. He yep. thinks in 2009 I got to work with Franklin and Jai. It was such a great festival. It, it was, you know, and Franklin's one of my, you know, dearest friends, and I, I, I just sit and learn with him every time he opens his mouth, you know, yes. and, and reaching out to I'm reaching out to the big boys. I'm reaching out to Tom Dreesen. I'm reaching out to Chris Rock. I'm reaching out to all the people I've known for 40 years in the industry almost. Uh, And and, hey, guys, you know, if you want to work, obviously you don't need to work. If you're Chris Rock, if you're, you know, Tom Dreesen, you don't need to to come on a Zoom show. But hey, if you want to, if you're bored, if you want to work alongside it, because you want to teach the young comics how it's done. Because I think. Yeah, a lot of here. these guys who are the elder statesmen, I think that they come and see comedy and they say, you know, I want to teach you guys yeah. what I've learned. You know, that comedy is not as, as selfish thing as I think a lot of people think it is. No. Uh, comedians love giving. Um, even if it's, you know, after a show, somebody comes over and has a note for you. Oh, here's a great tag. Here's a great. That's how I got most of my work was. I would, after a comic would get off stage, I would say, hey, here's a, a line you could put in there. And then next thing you know, they wanted me to start <laughs> working with them because I'm giving them jokes. So, um, yeah. And I, I mean, for, for us, the, the best part about this is we're able to serve three, actually four communities that need to be served. Number one, um, Broadway County Club is obviously keeping their brand alive. You know, and that's a, that's a big important thing. They don't have a, a live stage where people can visit now. Well, now they have a stage where they can ha- people can see a quality show. You know, I've got a show that's yeah. Mark and me and Leanne and and, uh, and and Gary Delina, and that's a hell of a show. Yeah, you know what I mean. You that's know, wow. Yeah, and and so they can come see a quality show. So the audience gets served. Uh, the older yeah. comics get served because we get to make a few bucks when there's not as much work as, as we want out there. And then yeah. the newer comics get served because I get to put some new comics on shows with veteran people. So you get to learn from them. And yeah. I also get to tailor some programs. You know, I had a, a lot of the, um, a lot of the talent that was at the festival said, you know, if you guys do classes for female comics, you know, we'd love to take one. So I asked Leanne Lord, you know, you want to teach a class for female comics and she was all on board for it. And yeah. then she turned and here's here's back to the giving thing. Um, I asked her what she needed in terms of making money, and she said, What's the cheapest price point we could put this at? Because there's a pandemic and I want to make sure these people can attend. You know, that, that's that's great. Sweet. I wanted to charge a thousand dollars for my class. Yeah, you want to charge a thousand dollars? And you know what? I think we'd still feel it if you did. <laughs> I just need one. Just one need student. one. One student. One at at you want one on one. One on one coaching. <laughs> That's funny. I um. I I. You know, John brought up that you know your festival back in the day when he did it with Franklin and Jay. I don't know if you remember, Jim. We did one of the first storytelling shows. Oh, yeah. We did storytelling before it became a really big thing on and, 44th um, Street, wasn't it? Uh, 110th. Oh, we went uptown. Okay. It was the old uh, underground. 
the yeah. underground at the underground festival. And um, we had uh, like a Whitney Brown. Yeah. We had, I have those DVDs. I just have to remember. Um, I have the old DVDs. I just have to remember how to uh, get them onto a computer because no computers have hard drives yeah. anymore. You could put a, a DVD in. But, yeah, I have not worked with Whitney, and it's got to be 15 years now. Has to be. Uh, well, yeah. he moved to Austin. Yep. He moved to Austin, Texas. He was working uh, as a jazz D- DJ on a radio station. He yeah, Whitney, really- Whitney was one of the first five comics I saw. I saw him and Paula Poundstone at the old Caroline's on 8th Avenue, which was their original, original location. Way wow. back in 80, 84. And then the next night I saw Carol Liefer open for Jerry Seinfeld. Same Ooh, location. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> That's So you've been, what year did you start? I, I started September 5th, 1983. Wow. That was my first day ever on stage. That's and that was the the time to be doing it. the The first wave of the boom happened, and yeah. it was uh, you were there when everybody started to migrate west. Yeah, and then you know, so many of the New York comics migrated west that New York had a vacuum. That you know, a lot of us started at the same time. I I literally started with hundreds, and then there were a bunch wow. of us that jumped in. Me, Chris Rock, Colin Quinn. Uh, Jeanette Barber, Judy Golds, uh, Susie Essman jumped in and, wow. and filled that. I mean, I'm the runt of that litter. I, I literally <laughs> am the runt. Of You're that the litter. baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, not only was I, I the youngest, but, you know, all of them went on to this mega stardom. And I'm there like, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. <laughs> I've been on TV a hundred times. I'm a big deal. But, you know, that not compared to what they've managed to accomplish. And here's the crazy part. We weren't the most talented ones. I mean, I, I can reach back and, you know, uh, Johnny Solomon, not Jonathan Solomon, who stayed in the industry. There's a comic named Johnny Solomon who did characters that everyone was sure was going to be a comic. Everyone was going to show was going to be the next big thing. He was out before, you know, 1990, you know, and, and wow. so many great comics that you, you would have thought you would bet money that they'd be the ones that are still there and they're gone. And, you wow. know, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that I, I've been doing this over 35 years, that this has been how I've made my living for my entire life, my entire adult life, between writing on TV, being on TV, doing this, and now the, the little bit of producing I'm doing. This, it's been awesome to do that. But, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's it's been a ride. It's been <laughs> a hell of a roller coaster ride. But, I mean, well, that's... When we did the festival in May, the first incarnation of the festival, I yeah. had, and this isn't hyperbole, maybe 100 emails from brand new comics that have been doing it a year, maybe two years, going, I finally found what I love, and it's never coming back again. It's and so we started the festival to kind of give hope for that. But, I mean, I've been around long enough. I was around in the 80s with the AIDS epidemic, and nobody wanted to be in a, uh, a place and drink from the same glasses that other people would because what the virus is in the glass. So there was a dip in comedy club audiences in the late 80s, and they jumped back and and, and thrived again. And then in 2001, after 9-11, nobody yeah. wanted to be there. What if they bombed the building when we're in it? And 
clubs were empty for about an hour and it popped back. People need to realize that, you know, yes, this virtual club is going to start and I'm positive there will be virtual comedy clubs till the end of time now. It's just yeah. another avenue, you know, but I'm also positive that the second they say, hey, Broadway Comedy Club can open up on 53rd Street, you're going to sell out like that because people want to be entertained. They yeah. definitely yeah. want to be entertained. And, and yeah. especially in a live forum. And I, I, what you're saying about the Zoom comedy clubs are here to stay. And a lot of comics were saying as soon as things open up, Zoom's going to be over and it's not worth doing or whatever. So um, my thought was, uh, you know, these guys who refuse to change with the times, they're going to phase out. Because the other thing that happened is uh, they said Zoom was going to go out, but they're going to keep doing corporate meetings over Zoom because mm -hmm. it's so much cheaper to then have a Zoom corporate meeting, yeah. flying all of their people in and going to one place. So corporate events are going to be on Zoom. So if you want to do corporate comedy, you better learn how to do it on Zoom and you better learn how to be funny in a clean corporate way. And it's not bad to make money staying home. <laughs> no. Uh, but the other thing about Zoom that people – I remember when, you know, the cable boom in the 80s happened. And, and back when I started, I, I, I'm around long enough that you wanted to be on The Tonight Show. You wanted, you didn't even want to be on Letterman. You wanted to be on The Tonight Show. You yeah. know, and then Letterman popped up and people were there like, I'm not doing Letterman. You know, it's a low-budget Tonight Show. And people didn't realize that Letterman eventually was what you wanted to do. And I don't, I don't want to be on, you know, a horrible little evening at the improv show on on A and E. Who's going to watch that? I want to be on a network show. And then those shows started getting you popularity. I don't want to be on Comedy Central. It's like a factory for comedians. You won't stand out. And then they started being the kingmakers. This yeah. is we keep having new technology, and you know, we keep having a section of our industry that just goes, that'll never catch on. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody uh, wants to change with the times because they feel like they all, no matter what they're doing. And, and I believe changing is the, these are the best times of our lives, no matter what's happening. I mean, yeah, it's, we're yeah. in a pandemic. We're going to look back and go, remember we did comedy from our houses. Like that was awesome. And now I have to go back out on the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No matter what happens, it, it's it, you yeah. have to evolve with the time. I mean, I just yeah. found out last night. I, I think Mike Somerville was on our uh, when we were just an audio podcast, and he told the story. He uh, MC went to bring him up, and he goes, "What do you want me to mention?" He goes, "Well, I, I've done Letterman, you know, three times." And the guy goes, "Is that a podcast?" Wow, wow. like <laughs> that's the most sought after credit people wanted, and now. The younger people don't even know it was a show, you know. Yeah, when wow, when people say to me, "How how often have you been on TV?" I've been on I've been on television over a hundred times, over a hundred TV appearances. You know, how come I haven't heard of you? Yeah, that that's the problem. There's a lot of TV. <laughs> There's a whole lot of TV out there, you know. <laughs> and people don't understand it's a it's a massive accumulation, and it's building an audience. I mean. You, you look at people like John Mulaney and how he built his audience through 
you know, through social media. You look at Dane Cook, the the OG of building yeah. an audience through social media, or what Liz <laughs> Bailey is able to accomplish building her audience yeah. through social media. You know, Zoom is social media. You know, yeah. these shows, virtual shows, are social media. It's another step in the incarnation. Yeah, yeah, it's. I, and I feel like it's going to keep evolving. And now with like VR and how people are doing the video games and now people are playing video games with their friends through the goggles and it's uh, everything's going to, we don't even know what the next thing is. Yeah. We, we, you know, we don't know what it could be. So it's uh, the times are kind of exciting, even though, you know, we're living in this pandemic world. It's kind of exciting to what's next, what's going to happen. Um, how do we, yeah. How do we do it? Hey, Margarita. Hey. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to uh, be like 90 years old, you know, after seven decades in comedy and just we, we are doing comedy on a new platform that nobody's <laughs> even envisioned. And somebody's like, Jim, do you want to get the chip so you could do the show? Yeah, chip me, baby. Fucking chip me <laughs> at that point. You know, I just. Jimmy, we're going to Obi-Wan Kenobi you and turn you into a hologram. R two D two is going to wheel into a theater and shoot your thing. Oh, God, up. When I die, just let me fucking rest. Can I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, given as much as I got right now. Just I was going to say, you can live, live in perpetuity on Zoom shows. Think about that. You are immortalized it on with virtual comedy. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've been doing Zoom shows, and like I said, I, I've literally done. I've had a, I've done a hundred Zoom shows over over the past ten months, um, and it, you know somebody sat down and, and went on all the ones that they could find of me on on YouTube, and they said you realize that you've got over an hour of material that you wrote during quarantine, <laughs> and I'm there like yes that's the job that's what yeah. we're supposed to do, write write a ton, yeah. Just keep working. Yeah. Uh, but do you think do you think some comedians took this time to keep putting the work into their craft, or do you think some just took it to uh, totally take off? You know, and and say, all right, I guess we're on. Some people, I feel like, just were like, all right, we're paused. I'm going to sit still. And other people still kept working hard, and they're going to be more accomplished. And uh, Margarita said, a hundred Zoom shows. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I don't and, know if that's a really big accomplishment or a really sad accomplishment. <laughs> I know that Zoom shows for ten live shows. But I'm still glad I did the hundred Zoom shows. Um, yeah, but I think there's now, a whole- now that we have a new audience member too, don't forget there is a, he's Jim is actually launching a new um, virtual comedy club that you could attend every night, seven p.m. on Sundays, eight p.m. the rest of the week, and uh, where you can yeah. find that, we can find that also at the New York City Underground Comedy. No, ComedyTherapy.com is the name of the club, um, oh. and the Underground was the festival that we had run. So I do appreciate that scroll. But the uh, ComedyTherapy.com or BroadwayComedyClub.com. Either one of those places will bring you to our schedule. Um, all, all the roads lead to Rome. Yeah. <laughs> there you um, go. I, but to answer your question, there's a whole lot of comics that did nothing but sulk for the pandemic. Um, yeah. And, and it, it sad to say it's my generation. It's the older ones. That yeah. basically was there like, no, I'm not live. I don't want to fucking do it. And, and I'm sitting there looking at them like, I, I do understand that I'm slightly more in tune with the younger audience than most comics my age are. Most of us are there like, I do 18 theaters and eight retirement communities in a cruise ship a year. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm fine. My calendar's full. 
And I get that. I get that. I've, I've carved a different path. But yeah. man. But you're a guy you who evolves. You, you constantly are moving. But here's the thing. When you started doing stand-up, you know, I remember watching you one day on stage, you know, as a storyteller going, wow, so this generation is going to incorporate more storytelling. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and yeah. you know, because my generation was the one-liner generation. So when I came up, me doing stories, they were looking at me like, "It's a bit weird that you do that." And and you my, didn't do any jokes. <laughs> yeah, you know. So it, it it was nice to just see the next generation. But then it's also pushing me because I saw you guys and your your generation doing stuff that my generation wouldn't dream of. Now there's always guys from the older generation. You know, I, I look at, you know, somebody like from the generation before me, uh, an Overton or an A. Whitney Brown, who were telling stories that I couldn't even dream of. Or somebody yeah. from a generation younger than me, like D.C. Benny, who's telling stories and you're going, wow, I couldn't dreamt of doing that either. There's always the innovators, but the classes of themselves have a base level of competency. You know, yeah. my class had a base level of competency. Mark's class had a base level of competency. And if you're a new comic listening to this, your class is a base level of competency. And your base level of competency should push Mark's generation, which in turn yeah. should push my generation. That That's what you need to do, you know, and, and, and just push it. And, if, you know, Margarita uh, pointed out something great. Yes, there's a singer that is releasing a, a bevy of albums. But Paul McCartney released an album today that he wrote and recorded during quarantine. McCartney wow, really? Yeah. I mean... And that's artists, somebody who doesn't need the work. I think he's doing okay. Yeah. Artists, <laughs> he's probably all right. Yeah. He's probably He's got to ride this one out. Artists, <laughs> art, that's what we do. And, yeah. and like everybody, I'm sure when the pandemic first hit and you saw the clubs close, me, Mark, everybody looked at it and went, how the fuck am I paying my bills? You yeah. know, and, and we probably solved that problem within about three weeks. And then we're there like, well, how do I prevent myself from going stir fucking crazy? You know, and, <laughs> because I have no artistic output. You know, that's I, the bigger issue. I was joking around with my business partner that I do the films with. I think we're busier now than we were when things were wide open. Um, you know, we're in the middle of trying to get this movie uh, into distribution. We're in the middle of, you know, the taking meetings for future projects and, you know, writing. Uh, and it, it's, we're just as busy. If you're an artist, you will art. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and you're adaptable, too. So think about it. Like all the pieces that were taken up by people that weren't adaptable. They now those people are gone and you're willing to push forward. So there's more opportunity for you than there was. Pre, right, because there's less people in that space. Margarita said, "Artists who are creative are going to be artists, regardless of the money. They do it because they can't stop themselves." I really uh, like you, Margarita. I'm so happy you keep you you tune in when we come on. It's uh, yeah, Margarita's really on smart. our Twitch side. Yeah, she's yeah. over on our Twitch side, which is fun. We're just launching over there, and uh, yeah, but Jean, I, you know, I need to say this as well because Margarita is absolutely right. An artist creates art for themselves, but we do have to, you know we do have to push for people to patronize the arts because yeah. art in a vacuum as, as beneficial as it is. And I've, I've always said, if I could do comedy for my living room, I would little did I know that that was a prophetic, you know, statement. <laughs> when I started um, but what we need is we need the feedback and we also need the freedom to do it. And if you're worried yeah. about mortgages, you don't have the freedom to do it. Mark has 
two kids that he needs yeah. to send to school and feed and a house mortgage. You know, we we need to also make sure that the ways we have to, the ways we support artists, great phrasing there, Margarita, the ways yeah. we support artists are financial as well as just, hey, good job. That's why it was so important for me when we started the comedy club, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I had the conversation with Al Martin and Al turned around and went, Hey, you know what? Let's let's make sure the comics can make some money. And I'm there like, okay, so we can have up to 300 people at this show and a Wednesday night show at 1000 at $10, that's up to $3,000, which means there's up to $1,500 that the comics can split. Yeah. You know, now if I only get two people, there's $10 for the comics to split. But hey, there's something for them to split. Something for the, the yeah, yeah, for the time and effort and I um hey, hey Tom real quick um can you find the um when we go out can you play the uh, no apologies video with the TV yeah. I think it's in our Dropbox sorry I didn't I I can't put it in the chat box because I'm going that off my phone that's today a, that's a private message message for me Mark but okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on my phone because of the Wi-Fi at the I'm yeah. at the Hilton and the Wi-Fi is just atrocious so i figured uh go on going rogue on the phone yeah um, <laughs> take care of your housekeeping <laughs> margarita what kind of are you a singer are you oh, i'd love the love if we could uh connect so we maybe we could play some of your stuff um if you're a singer or if you're a painter maybe show some of your stuff i think it's awesome that we have uh viewers who are being interactive with us it's which and, I, really, I really like the Twitch platform. I feel like a lot of people are there to support other people. Like when we were first introduced to it, it was more of a gaming platform. And we thought it, I thought it was more gaming. And what, we, what we're coming to find is there's a lot of people that are just expressive artists. And there is a community of people there to support those artists. So I think this is a place that comedy might move towards. I just hope we're uh, some of the pioneers for it. Like while yeah. Jim's doing a virtual comedy show, I feel like. I would love to connect the drinks, jokes, and storytelling channel with Jim, and like maybe if he's doing stuff, we can put out a lot of the promo for it on that on that channel. Well, you guys also help record you. these, do you not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I I happen to have that network. That <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we were supposed to come to your studio and record. Yeah. Um, what's his name from? Uh, I can't believe I can't Already. think of his name. Uh, Mulrooney and also um, what's his name from Rascals. Um, we we're gonna have them come down, and then the pandemic uh, spiked again. Yeah, and we we're like, all right, I guess we'll wait until it slows down. Looks like it's not slowing down. <laughs> but, um, we we have. Uh, I'm, why am I blanking out on what the name of our our network is? Marco. <laughs> yeah, what's the name it, of our network? All Media TV. Oh, all God. Media TV. I will get that. AllMediaTV.com. We have a streaming network. Oh. And and, and uh, our streaming network carries currently two podcasts, including mine. So yeah. there's, there's always room for a third. We could, dude, I am, I am loving combining work with you because you are exactly what it's supposed to be. It's about art. It's about putting out a good product. It's about being interesting and uh original you guys do yeah. a lot of uh, you guys have a channel on amazon why don't we yeah we should uh 
post about that as well because you're you guys have original the, everything shows. that's on the Amazon channel and, and I, I tell people this um, and I'm vehemently pro artist so I'm I, I Amazon's gonna freak when I say the next statement I'm gonna say Amazon underpays their artists me included they underpay <laughs> all the artists we get pennies uh, on a dollar and we started all media TV as a streaming service that we have, you know, subscribers. We have a handful of subscribers now. We're building each month. And we took everything that we had available on, on Amazon. Amazon. And it's also available on all media. Okay. It's available cheaper on all media. And our artists get paid more for it on all media than they do on Amazon. Yes. So go to all media. Yeah. That's so, uh, do all media. But if you have Amazon, it, it, you, you go on all media and watch it so but, you can know that you're going to buy a good product. Here's the uh, best it's part about allmediatv.com, right? If you go to allmediatv.com, you can get a free seven-day subscription. And if you turn nice. out and you don't like the content that's on our channel, cancel it, and you don't pay us a dime. But for seven days, you can watch new shit that you haven't seen before. Can I say that on your podcast? Of course. There you go. <laughs> uh, you can see new shit that you haven't seen before. And if you don't like it, you just cancel. If you do like it, you keep watching. Figure it out. And yeah. there's, um, we have, you know, over 300 videos on that channel. Everything wow. from full length movies. Um, uh, your, uh, the, the game show that you did, uh, uh yeah. not the game show, the uh, game uh, night, game night with, uh, Sean is on there. Sean Lynch. Yeah. yeah as nice. well as his movie, um, Gail's new boyfriend, which you played a, a lovely ventriloquist. Uh, <laughs> What's with me and puppets? Why am I, I always doing stuff with puppets? This guy has a puppet fetish for sure. <laughs> Margarita wants to know where can you see and support? Where are the Zoom shows? Okay, go to comedytherapy.com and you will see Comedy. a calendar. The December calendar is up there right now. Um, boom, go. Bill, and Bill that's Barrett, well, if you uh, look Bill, at what, what they, they did, did their authors was just obscene. Uh, and if you haven't, if you don't know what that's about, just Google it. But it, 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 what Spotify is doing to musical artists, that's what they did to their authors. You know, wow. people can buy your ebooks and you'll make like a dollar thirty for a thousand sales. It's it's wow. ridiculous. But here's the thing: the audience. When I tell the audience, you could go to all media and get it cheaper, and it's the exact same content. It does not have the cachet of an Amazon. So as a company, I need to put stuff on Amazon because they need the cachet of the brand association. But yeah. I, I want to be able to tell people, look, go to the place that treat the artist the best. You know, and, and yeah. if, if the artist can make, I, I know it sounds crazy, but you make six cents an hour. So if, you, if someone streams my hour-long special on Amazon, I get six cents. That's what I get. Now, if wow. I have a distributor, the distributor takes a cut from it as well. All right. Yeah. Whereas that that same thing on uh, that, that same thing on all media TV, I'm probably making the equivalent of a dollar or two as opposed to six cents. So okay. that's that's what I want to push people towards the places where the artists can make a little bit more of a living wage. Now, look, every company is created to make money. The, you know, this comedy club that we're doing hopefully makes money, you know, but we have to pay for the Zoom. We have to pay for the advertising. We have to pay for somebody to run the show. We have to pay for all those things. We need to make a problem yeah. to do that. But we just 
we have to, and I mean absolutely have to as a society, support artists in ways that help them. You know, and the best way to help them is who pays them the most? Support that person more. Yeah, that's that's so true. And that's the same with the comedy clubs. The comedy <laughs> clubs who treat the comedians well are the ones you should go to. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of independent, like, rock clubs. And that when I was on the road hardcore, I would do those. And they were always good to us. They would give us a guarantee, but then they'd give us small guarantee but then they'd give us a really nice chunk of the door if we did better that way and you yep. have to support people like that because uh you know a lot of these cookie cutter clubs they 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 just say this is what I, we're paying you and you know screw you we're gonna make a million dollars and you're gonna make five <laughs> i used to do a wonderful jazz club in new york city called smalls paradise up on oh, yeah. street and adam clayton powell um, all all African American ownership, all African American name. I, I I think I might have been the only white guy to ever walk in there. <laughs> it, it it was ridiculous, you know. When I walk in and people would look at me like he's got to be a cop. Um, and then I would be the comic on those shows, and they'd always put me up. And I must have done in, in the eighties and nineties when I was performing there on a regular basis, thousands of shows there. Every time I walked through the door, there was a drink waiting for me. There was food waiting for me. I'd perform. I'd get off stage. There'd be money waiting for me. You know, they, they'd give me my choice of, you know, hey, here's the artists that are coming in next month because they knew I also love jazz. You know, is there anybody you yeah. want to see? Is there anybody you want to work with? So I got to do that kind of stuff as well. You know, it, it was... It was. Well, Rita said she's black, but she would have walked I, in with you. She could have been ebony and Margarita, ivory. You don't know how, how funny that line is when it's directed at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, Jim that is uh, pretty much my entire dating history. So yeah. <laughs> um. So all of this to say, you go in there, and I went in there, and there was a one night that there was a snowstorm. I made it all the way up because of the snowstorm. There literally was five people in the room. Literally, and the owner's trying to pay me, and I'm there like, dude, Margarita, no flirting till I see what you look like. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, I'm loving this. Let's yeah, just... have somebody <laughs> else. Um, and, and he's trying to pay me, and I'm there like, you've paid me every time I walked in. What are you going to give me a dollar? You know, <laughs> buy me booze and let me listen to the band, and and we're we're good. We're square. You yeah. know, we've also as artists have to take care of the people that take care of us as well. Yeah. Uh, well, that was when Angie, when we were in New York and, um, you know, Angie's a teacher and there was a hiring freeze, so she couldn't get a job. And so she started bartending at the underground mm -hmm. and <laughs> I, the cheapest people on the planet were the comics. Yeah. They would drink, they would give them free drinks and they wouldn't even tip. It's like, you're getting free drinks and you're not even going to leave a tip. <laughs> At least yeah. the musicians, the musicians were, you know, didn't have, you know, didn't have a pot to piss in. They would still give at least a dollar. <laughs> I, I remember when I first started doing spots at the comic strip back in, in the, um, back in the eighties, if you made the schedule on a weeknight, you made $7, $7 <laughs> uh, Margarita, I know, but you have me at a disadvantage. Um, <laughs> you made $7 on a weeknight show. And that was it. And I remember one night being there drinking from, you know, 
dust till dawn drinking from when I walked in to when I walked out and I signed for my money <coughs> and I literally just got the $7 and handed it back. To the <laughs> like, thanks. I wish it was more. And, and there's yeah. so many times. Yeah. There's so many times when I've been at the comic strip and just, you know, drank yeah. about a gallon of tequila with Vic Henley and I got to sign for my money and I go, just keep it. <laughs> just keep it. There's, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't tell you how many times if a comic was late, because back then I used to live close to the club, the bartender was like, call Jim. He lives near here. <laughs> I got that because they knew I was a decent guy and I treated them well too. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it, it was partially funny. There's a lot of people funnier than me back then. We had Wolfberg, we had Bolster, we had, you know, Wade Fetterman. We had a ton of just genius comics walking through there. Yep. You know, call Jim. You call it Jim because Jim tips better. It goes a long way. <laughs> dude, That's everybody asked me how I got in at the Funny Bone. They're like, dude, you always get gigs at the Funny Bone. And it's because at the end of the weekend, I would walk through and peel off a five to every single person from the cook, the dishwasher, to every waitress that didn't work, you know, didn't serve me. And then I'd give whoever was working the green room, I'd give more money, but I gave everybody a five just for being an employee. And then whenever they would have a thing. Um, so this guy's not bringing an opening act. We need to bring somebody. The people from the kitchen would be out. Bring Rick and Donna. <laughs> on 9-11, on when 9-11 happened, I had a corporate gig. I was doing a, a corporate uh, breakfast meeting in Columbus, Ohio. So I flew in on the 10th, stayed in the hotel. The morning of the 11th, I went in for a 9 a.m. sound check. By the time I got to the sound check, the first plane had already hit. And everyone's there like, are we doing the show? Are we not doing the show? In the middle of doing the sound check, the second plane hit. Wow. And uh, the uh, the gentleman that ran the corporation, uh, the medical supply corporation, came up to me and he went, they're going to close the airports. You're from New York, aren't you, sir? And I went, yes, I am. And he goes, here is your check. And here is a key to a rental car. Go home. Return wow. the rental car at the airport tomorrow. There's no other way you're going to get home and make sure your family's okay. Now, I didn't even ask him, you know, for this. And I'm there like, take a check back. I didn't do the show. And he's there like, no, you came out to do the show. I'm canceling the show because of these circumstances. But you came out to yeah. do the show. You get your check. Wow. All right. You know what? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to argue with you now because I want to get home to my family. I get home to my family. I call him up the next day. And I'm there like, I'm going to tear up your check. And he's there like, I'll be offended if you tear up the check. He goes, just do the check and give me a discount when you come and do, you know, a Christmas event for us. And I'm there wow. like, okay. So he booked me then and there for a Christmas event. And the money was supposed to be, again, a couple of grand. And, you know, I go and I do the Christmas event. He goes to hand me the check. I rip that one up in front of him. I want you paid me ah. in September. And he's <laughs> like, you're ripping up a check for a couple of thousand dollars. And I went, yeah, because you paid me in September. Thank you. You made sure I was okay. <laughs> I got and when Jim wasn't looking, I was picking up the pieces and pieces taping it together. <laughs> Here's what that check got me. That check literally got me $35,000. Because for the next 12 years, I did every one of their Christmas parties. They flew oh. me to every one of their Christmas parties. They all paid two to $3,000 until the company was bought by another company. And obviously, you, you know what happens at that point. Yeah. But up until that point, I did every other Christmas for them. And it took oh, doing the right my. thing one time. He did the right thing by me. I returned the favor. 
And from that point I out, love hearing this. This is the kind of person I want to deal with. That's I love I'm hearing this with. because this is proof that good people, good things happen. And it always and you watch TV or you do anything, you always hear about the good guy getting screwed. And it's yeah. awesome. You hear the good guy did a good thing and then got the karma of being a good person. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely. Uh, I, Jim, you're, you're a good guy. I, uh, so one of the reasons Jim and I got to be so close is um, we've done a bunch of Armed Forces Entertainment tours together, yeah. which um, – we, we have to have you, we're hitting the hour mark, which is where we like to wrap, but yep. we got to have you back on to talk about this. Um, Absolutely. And before so. I go, I just got to say, Margarita, you can find me on social media, send the picture, and we'll get you. <laughs> she actually said, she was like, oh, you're in Jersey? Cool. Yep. I'm going to follow you on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram right now. There you go. Nice. So follow me on Instagram. I'll be able to stalk her photos. <laughs> you said, oh, I already followed you. <laughs> Let me start. Hold on. Let's let's go over and see what she looks like. Hold on. <laughs> oh Let me know when he comes back. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm never that far away, Tom. I'm right <laughs> Jim, let's book you now. <laughs> I'm gonna, I want to take advice from your uh, from your um, corporate friend. I'm going to put put you back in the books now. Um, right. I, I'm so excited for your club. I just I, yeah, the club will be fine. She didn't follow me. She she must have followed the club. She did not follow uh, me though. Oh, she might have followed the club. So you know what? That's a good question. Is it? What's your Instagram? Jim Mendrinos. Mendrinos in exile. Mendrinos in exile. Look there at that. Go. Way to segue into a plug on the Instagram. That was perfect. In exile is what we have to follow on there. And then also let's just let's just wrap up with letting everybody know one more time. This virtual comedy club, the yep. best place to find it is going to be what was the name one more time? Is it all media TV? No, Comedytherapy.com. I, I run actually like 87 businesses, so it's gonna be hard to get them all. Comedytherapy.com is where you can find all the stand-up shows. Uh, our first one's going to be this Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Margarita, if you find a way to get me uh, an email address, I will send you a free ticket. To the hey, show. look at that. For tuning in to Drink Jokes and Storytelling. He's inviting you to a show. There you go. <laughs> this could be uh, the start of a beautiful connection. Look at this. I'm telling <laughs> you, I love connection. We're going to have to hang together. But, yes, if you, uh, if you find a way to get a hold of me, you will have a ticket. There we and go. you know Jim, I'm going to I'm going to throw it down right now. I want to start podcasting. We do a Sunday writers room podcast that's on this network. Um I want to do one with you um when you're available and maybe we could bring in the comics that are coming on and plug the shows. Tell me when and um one of the most fun shows that we're going to have on in the club is the last Tuesday of every month is going to be new material night where veteran comics cannot do any of their old stuff. And that's oh, I love it. Spanking new. And that's the last Tuesday of every the last month? last Tuesday of every month. And what time's that show? That's an 8 o'clock show. Why don't we do it pre-show? You tell me, I'll be there. All right. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm so game to continue having you on. You're so much fun. Uh, I'll come back anytime. And to clear it up for Margarita, Margarita, the club is online. It's a virtual club. It's not yes. a live club. You just log on on your computer. 
Right on, comedytherapy.com. So this is, this is the beginning of the virtual comedy realm, and he is a yep. pioneer of it. So comedytherapy.com, you definitely want to check it out. There's going to be a show every night, every night, 8 p.m., 7 p.m. on Sundays. Yep. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to tune in, too. And, and speaking of which, I have to tune in tonight to Mark's show. Mark, let us know one more time where... Uh... Yes, so watchlivenow.com. And you can watch our show that is tonight. On, uh, it's uh, going to be shot like a Netflix special. You can watch it on Apple TV. You can watch it on um, a Roku or on your phone. Um, but you can watch it on your big TV at home if you if you have a Roku or Apple TV. Um, and that's on watchlivenow.com? Yes. Got it. And we're going to give a little preview of it. This is your, uh, we're going to outro on that as well, right? Yeah, we're at the Mahaffey Theater tonight, and then uh, the Boca Black Box and the um, Lakeland Black Box on Sunday. Uh, and then I come back to uh, Philadelphia where I will be uh, <laughs> not doing anything <laughs> until I come to Jim's shows online. There you so, go. Uh, and Marguerite said she's but she's gonna she's gonna come by, but she wants to pay for a ticket. She supports her artist. Uh, <laughs> like, I'll tell you what, how about you do this? You come once as my guest, and then you come to another show. That way, I've got audio go. two shows. There you go. There now you have after two shows, Margarita. That is perfect. That will be a perfect combination. I'm gonna segue right into that. Thank you so much, Jim, for coming out with us today. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank and you. That's Mark. drinks, jokes, and storytelling. Yeah. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Why so serious? But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Well, I'm not good at I want you to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. I'm not